0: All right. So we are currently live. So let. So, Angela, are you going to general conference this year?
1: I don't know. I'll know in two days.
0: And then Micah, you're not sure yet. We're not sure. What about you guys up there in Canada, Brother Stickler?
2: Yeah, we're coming down. Yep. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, you know, I have a. I'm going to try to do a, a an interview with two with a, a pastor and son that transitioned in ministry, and I'm going to try to get there's two sets of them. try to do an interview on transition, ministerial transition. So I'm hoping that'll work out. That's
2: cool. I need to do some of that stuff. Um, do that live from the ministry mentorship booth. Yes.
0: I'd like to have Lee Stone King come by. I think he will, though.
2: <laughs> well, he probably could. I could come by.
3: Yeah, you have to do is ask. <laughs>
2: you, you could probably make that interview happen.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes. I
0: can feel what you feel and know what you know. Anyway, for whatever that's worth. Do you guys know who's preaching Friday night of General Conference? You guys heard?
1: No. Are you? <laughs>
3: no. Uh, uh, Friday night? Friday, is it Anthony Mangan? Is it? I thought it was Brother Bernard.
0: Yeah. Well, I believe that I will preach that service.
1: It's <laughs> very good.
0: Well, thank you. As you can tell, I'm extremely excited about this Bible study tonight. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started. uh, We are going to have with us tonight, we have uh, Angela Harwood from Bloomington, Indiana, student pastor, and uh, Micah Wisdom, pastor of the uh, United Pentecostal Church of Wagner, Oklahoma, and Brother Sean and Sister Stephanie Stickler, and they are the pastors of the Pentecostals of Quinty in Belleville, Ontario, Canada. And uh, my name is Jacob Tapia with Ministry Mentorship. So we want to thank you guys for, for joining us for this Bible study tonight. So we want to just open with a word of prayer and ask God to uh, bless our session today. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings and your goodness to us. Lord, we just pray for our time together you be with us. Help us, Lord, as we, we look at our finances and, and ministry. And God, we pray that you'd speak to our hearts tonight. Thank you for it. Thank you for everyone that's participating in this session and everyone that will watch this. Story. We pray your blessing upon it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, we want to at this time uh, just remind you that if you haven't downloaded a, a uh, lesson handout, you can do that. Go to Ministry Mentorship dot com backslash bible dash study, and uh, if you have a comment that you want to leave uh, or question for Brother Stickler uh, or any of the panelists here, uh, you can leave one of those at our Facebook page. It's just uh, Facebook backslash ministry mentorship, and uh, you can ask a question there. So, uh, without further ado, we're we're thankful to have the Sticklers with us, and uh, Brother Stickler, just tell us a little bit about yourself and and uh kind of how you got started in ministry.
2: Sure. Well, well thanks for letting us be a part of this um, tonight. We're 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 glad to be a part of it. My wife's coming on here in a, in a little bit, but uh kind of a great uh great honor to, to speak here. Um, we're the I'm the lead pastor, my wife and I of the Pentecostals of Quinty here in Belleville. Uh, not Belleville, Illinois, but Belleville, Ontario, Canada. And um, And it's a great church. We're so blessed to to be a part of it. Been there for about 12 years. Uh, Been the pastor, lead pastor, for about five years now. And just very thankful for for the opportunities God's blessed us with in this great church. Um, We've got four kids uh, and uh, uh, three girls and and a boy that just came along two years ago. And uh, my wife uh, is... A great expert to be on this call she's my accountant she's my financial planner uh, she uh, she works at the Air Force Base here in uh, in our city as the auditor so everybody's happy to see her come and then uh, in addition to being a pastor's wife and uh, then she recently uh, about eight years ago started a, a tax business here for um, US citizens living in Canada and um, and so it does taxes, kind of in a unique way. Uh, that, that she's kind of uh, a specialist for in our area. She has her CPA, and so it's great. So she's busy. She's superwoman. She's over overworked, and uh, I'm blessed. So that's kind of our history. That's awesome. Well,
0: uh, I have a similar situation. I am from Belleville, but anyway. So we're 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 just happy <laughs> you guys are with us today, and. Uh, we want to just turn the rest of the session over to you uh, for this part of it and uh, talk to us a little bit about this subject. We're, we're,
2: we're excited about it. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, everybody's got the handout, but we're talking. Uh, the title today is called uh, Money and Ministry. Ministry and money, you can call it whatever you want there, but we're kind of talking a little bit about uh, money and uh, especially from the context of uh, young adults. I know your audience is primarily... Young adults, and so, um, so that's kind of where we're where we're coming from here. Um, so, if you got the handout there, uh, I saw this this poll. Uh, it's been a little while now, but I think it, I doubt much has changed. Uh, it was an online survey that people had done to young adults, and they were kind of trying to do a humorous way of asking them how comfortable and how confident they were in their uh, in their financial standing. So they asked them to describe their financial standing uh, based on reality uh, television programs. So 35% of those young adults uh, said that their finances were were the real world. Uh, They were grown up and they were trying to earn a living and uh, and they were having some fun in the process, but it was a real learning experience. 26% said they, they called their financial situation survivor. Uh, because they felt like every day was a struggle to survive, and so they, they called theirs Survivor. Uh, 16% said they were the amazing race uh, because they, they they were the ones that felt like they were confident, they were in good shape. 16% there. 4% they called it wipeout. Uh, they've got uh, they've been knocked down with big money problems, and uh, and they chose that route. 4% also called it Temptation Island. Uh, because they were living for the moment and thinking about the consequences later. Uh, 10%, they called it the apprentice. Their financial state was the apprentice because they wanted a high-powered career and all the money that goes along with it. And 5% didn't have an answer at all. They, they, what's money? They didn't even know. So 5% had no answer uh, whatsoever. But what's interesting about that that survey is uh, only a small percentage uh, really felt confident about their financial situation, uh, just a small percentage. And that, that's not really good, obviously. Um, and, and probably to the people watching this right now or uh, watching this in archives, if we were to, uh, to do that poll tonight and could have people text in their, their answers or, or whatever, it would be interesting to see what type of responses we might get tonight as to how people felt uh, financially secure or confident. Uh, how satisfied they are with where they're at financially right now. Uh, that, that's a, it's not an easy question because that question, how, how do you feel confident about where you're at financially or satisfied, that question really means something different to every person that's being asked. Uh, are you, do you feel secure? Do you feel confident? Do you feel satisfied financially today? Uh, I imagine that if we had a quick poll uh, everybody here would say, uh, "Yeah, I could uh, use a little more money. Uh, maybe just the the four that are on this. Uh, raise your hand if you like. You could use a little more money. Anybody feel like they like use only one? You, you two guys. Oh, so there's another one. Okay, great, great. Uh, pretty well, everybody uh, feels that way. Uh, in fact, I've never met anybody who came to me and said, "Pastor, just pray. Uh, we can't handle any more money. We just cannot handle another dollar, another." another dime, uh, we're just so blessed we can't take any more. Uh, and then the truth of the matter is, we probably all could use uh, a little bit more money. Um, so I guess uh, when we talk about finances and we talk about money here tonight, like most other things in life, uh, it really comes down to our motive, our motive for what it is we're desiring and what it is we're, we're trying to do. Because uh, money is is amoral. Uh, it's not good. Money's not good or bad. It's not. Uh, it's something that can be used for good. It's something that can be used for bad. But it's not. It's not good or bad. Um, so when we talk about our finances here, really, money isn't the issue. The issue that we are looking at is my view of money, my perspective of money or how I use money. That's really the issue uh, when we're talking about money and and ministry there. Um, A lot of us would like more money as we said, a lot of us would like more money uh, because we'd like uh, more things. Uh, The iPhone 6 is now out and there's some folks that would love to have the new iPhone 6 even though Their iPhone 5 is working great, they they want the iPhone 6, and so we'd like to have more money to have the iPhone 6, or a new iPad, or a new computer, or a better, fancier car. And so some people's motivation is that. Some people would like more money because we already have too many nice things. That good, amazing car can only have a certain shop that can fix it, it has the parts, and so it's expensive to fix that fancy car. You bought a new iPhone 6, and now with that new iPhone 6, you also need a new iPhone 6 case, because the iPhone 5 case doesn't fit, and you need an invisible shield for that iPhone 6, and you need the car charger, so we need more money to accommodate our many blessings, all of our stuff. Uh, That's probably the, the minority of the people that are listening to this call, or listening to this podcast, I know the majority, optimistically, the majority of people who resonated with that statement and feel like, yeah, we could all use a little bit more money, feel that way because they know that if they had more funds, they could greatly impact the kingdom of God in a better way. They could just be such a blessing to the kingdom of God. They could give the missions more. They could support the church's building fund more. They could give to families who are struggling. I know that's what everybody was thinking when we said, yes, we could use a little more money, I'm sure. Um, You see, when it comes to this this money thing, what it all comes down to is my perspective, my attitude, my ideology, my view of money. That's why the Scripture doesn't say to us uh, money is the root of all evil. It's not what it says because it's not. We already said money is amoral. It it has no morals. It's neither good nor bad. The Scripture says it's the love of money, my attitude towards money, that is actually the issue there. Uh, Actually, let's look at that Scripture for a second. If you want to go to to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and look at this Scripture in a little more detail and in in its context here, Uh, this is Paul, and he's talking to Timothy. You talk about Ministry mentorship. This is it. This is ministry mentorship in the Word of God. Because Paul considered Timothy uh, close. They they had this mentor uh, relationship. Uh, there was a unique love there, but for Paul towards Timothy, uh, Paul views Timothy as the future of the church, and, and Paul can speak plainly into Timothy's life. It's someone that he can he can speak plainly to, and so I, I love. First uh, and Second Timothy because they're showing us a true mentoring relationship but they're also showing us Paul who is giving Timothy these tools that would make him successful in ministry. He wants Timothy to be successful in ministry and sees him as a next generation leader in the church. Uh, that's what makes it interesting for us as well. So Paul is writing a letter to Timothy and he writes about these different things about being a good minister and one of the things that he warns him of is the importance of our financial ideology, how we're dealing with money. Now let's look at it. Uh, 1 Timothy 6 6. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. Paul said, If we've got food, If we've got clothes, if our needs are met, we're content. That's what he said. Now, now content, uh, I think that is in your handout. The the dictionary definition of content there is desiring no more than what one has or uh, being satisfied is what what the handout, I think, says. It's being satisfied. One of the keys when we talk about ministry and money is evaluating contentment versus covetousness. Content versus covet. Those are words that are important for us here today. So Paul says to Timothy, as long as our needs are met, we're satisfied, we're, we're content. Uh, now, now keep reading here. Look in verse 9. But they that will be rich, he said, fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money, here's that scripture we we, we referenced, is the root of all evil, while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. They have erred from the faith, he says. The love of money has led some to even err from the faith. Now, we have all seen the desire for riches uh, overcome even people's... Willingness to preach the truth of the word of God. Um, we, we live in this world where there is, we have celebrity pastors and we have superstar uh, pastors and mega churches and, and there's big business in in churches now. And uh, so, so, but Paul says, Timothy, be careful because while some uh, have coveted after the love of money, the root of all evil, the love of money, and some have coveted after They've even erred from the faith. They've even been willing to compromise their convictions and their faith because of this love of money. You see, Paul makes this money thing, my attitude toward it, a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. Now, that's obviously not just in ministry. uh, But for everyone, money becomes a spiritual issue for everybody. In fact, Jesus identified money as the number one competitor for our hearts. Matthew 6.24, Jesus said, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, or money. Our culture sells us, and here's the thing, as, as ministers on this call, young adults, our culture sells us a lie that money equals happiness money equals happiness that's the lie that's what they're telling us but here's the thing every Hollywood suicide and drug overdose reveals that that is a lie because people who have money that more than they can spend are not content and they're not satisfied with what they have so we see that it's a lie Uh, money doesn't equal happiness Now, now here's the lie sometimes though that we can believe, even as ministry and as those called to ministry. Because the other lie is this, that money equals security. Money equals security. Now, that, 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 there, that's, that's a difficult place to be too. Because I would say to you that the only real secure place, the only place we really have security is in the will of God. That's the only real secure place in the will of God and the plan of God and there are times where people aren't able to accomplish the will of God for their life because they are unwilling to walk in the faith the path of faith that ministry requires I'm gonna explain that a little more as we end here but I think it's just important that we recognize money does not equal happiness and neither does money necessarily equal security because we can see very quickly People with, with many, many riches in a moment can lose it. In a, in a moment of a of, of problem in the financial world, we can see it all crumble. The only really secure place in ministry and in life is in the will of God, walking in the plan of God. So that's why Paul says, now, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, the problem is in our culture, uh, We're not trained to be content. That's not something that that we're taught is contentment. In fact, everything around us teaches us uh, that we are happy with the accumulation of things, of stuff. In 1976, the year that I was born, that that seems further and further away, but 1976, the year that I was was born, uh, a typical United States supermarket had 9,000 items in it. Uh, Today, uh, that same market carries about 30,000 items in it. Why is that? What's changed? Well, we have this obsessive compulsion uh, to possess more and more things, believing that those things bring satisfaction to our lives. The Old Testament sums this all up, sums up this condition, and Paul used this term also. Uh, He used a word, it's also in your handout. It's not... Uh, content, but it's covet, covet. He used that term, covet. Covet, if you want a definition for that, is an unquenchable desire for more. The Greek word literally means to grasp and to grasp for more. Uh, The world that we live in, and sometimes even born-again Christians, fall into this fallacy that the more and more stuff that I have, the more happy I will be. And it's just a lie. It's just false. It's not true. Uh, It's a lie that even the richest people have exposed, because it was just a few years ago that two of the richest men in the world, uh, Warren Buffett and Bill Gates, made this huge declaration. They got all types of uh, of press and and news coverage that they were going to give the majority of their wealth away. Why is that? Because as much as they had accumulated, they were finding that really happiness and satisfaction and contentment was coming not in accumulating more, but in being willing to give it away. Um, so giving, giving that's it's not it's it's counter culture, it's counter our nature to to be willing to give. Uh, it's counter being selfish, which is what we're taught. It, it's counter to everything that we hear, but there are some examples that show us that it's not about having more, but it's about having the right attitude towards what I have. Um, these, These type of people, they prove that satisfaction is not in the receiving, in the getting. It's not in the accumulation of stuff. It's in the giving. It's when I use what God has given me to bless somebody else. And and speaking to young adults here on on this call, I'm a pastor, and I'm blessed with a church that has many young adults. We're we're very blessed. Uh, But one of the things that we need in the church in this hour, universally, pastors would agree with me, um, we need young adults who know how to give, who understand the importance of giving, uh, being faithful in their ties, being faithful in giving to their their building, the the projects that are going on, and, and missions giving. We need young adults in this next generation of the church. My generation and younger, we've got to to, to catch uh, the the willingness to sacrifice financially for the kingdom of God. Uh, that that doesn't happen. But can I be this? Will, this will this will be a little controversial. But that doesn't happen by jumping in cold water, and it doesn't happen by dumping buckets of cold water over our heads. It happens when we write checks and give financially. Uh, we don't need any more buckets of water being poured. We need buckets being passed around, and young adults being willing to give into that into that bucket. Uh, is there an amen in the congregation? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to be a giver. I've got to be a giver uh, to experience that satisfaction. You can't learn this by somebody telling you. Me saying this in this call doesn't doesn't do it justice. It doesn't make it happen you only learn the value of giving when you are a giver only by experimenting and doing it and being willing to step out do you, do you understand that it's giving that brings satisfaction and so in order to do that though and here's where the challenge is because it's not that young adults and it's not that that people don't want to give the challenge is this is that I have to be a good manager of what God has given me what he's allowed me to earn in order to be able to contribute to the kingdom i've got to be a good steward of what god has given me giving is not a function of of the level of income that i'm at it's a function of managing the income that i've been giving it's not a function of the level of income it's a function of managing what god has given me to work with um and it comes back to this contentment this coveting this satisfaction um And my wife will talk a little bit more about giving here in a few minutes when she talks about getting out of debt. Yes, that's going to be part of giving out of debt. Uh, But but before we go there, let's just recap that money is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. Jesus linked it directly with our spiritual condition. And a person's attitude towards their money or possessions, the way that they give to their church, the way that they give to missions – the way that they give to the poor, it is a very accurate physical barometer of the reality of that person's faith. It is the true test of where someone is at in their trust in God, their faith in God. Luke Luke, uh, 18, uh, Jesus uh, tells that we see that story about the rich young ruler. Uh, What was the issue in that man's life? The issue was his attitude towards his riches uh and it's interesting you read that scripture he's doing everything else right uh he says I- i've done everything I- i've held the law I- i've done everything right and then jesus tells him, okay well now you go and sell all that you have give it away and and so jesus took this man's riches and made it the spiritual issue for this man even though he was doing everything right there was one spiritual issue that was in the way his attitude toward his money in luke 1823 what a tragic scripture says, and when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was sorrowful, he said, how hardly shall they that have riches enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the needle's eye than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You see, one of the greatest barriers to our success in the Church of North America today is how we view finances and money and riches. In Revelation 3, and we don't need to do a study on which churches are where, what time periods, or if they're time periods, but there's obviously a lukewarm church in Revelation 3. Uh, Revelation 3.16, look at at the reason why they're lukewarm. Uh, It says, So then because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich, and I am increased with goods, and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Their richness, their their abundance brought on a lukewarm state that we cannot allow to happen to us in this place of blessing that we are in North America, that we're in a North American church. All the stuff that they had was a barrier to their spiritual success. So here it is. We're talking to to young ministers. If you're going to... Become and fulfill all that God wants you as a young adult to be. You have to come to terms with your ideas of money and learn to be content. Uh, God sets up this thing called tithing. We won't do a Bible study on that, but it is a true indicator of my spiritual condition. Not because God needs my 10%, but that 10% represents my obedience to God. He doesn't need money, per se. Probably that's probably not the right way to say it, but he doesn't he, he does need money, but he, he can he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Tithing is not about money, it's about obedience to what God has said. But here's the thing, givers learn that tithing is just the beginning. And tithing is just the it's just the start. Givers learn that happiness and satisfaction and purpose is found in that giving. It's found in being a part of something bigger than myself. And that starts what starts out as obedience uh, becomes more of an act of thankfulness and uh, and uh, appreciation for what God has done, and it and, and it flows from a love for the kingdom of God. And givers they don't stop with that tithe. they find themselves giving to see the kingdom of God progress and grow. Uh, and that's where we go from from the the requirements offering tithing to to giving and offerings and giving sacrificially, and giving to to further the kingdom of God. The greatest uh, gift and the most satisfaction in this life comes from a life of giving. I'm talking more than just money right now, but I'm talking about giving your life to the ministry that God has called you to and to the call of God. And giving in your church, uh, teaching Sunday school, teaching home Bible studies, being a part of a ministry team, work, being a youth pastor in a church. That's where real satisfaction comes when you're fulfilling the call of God in your life, spending time in ministry, being what God has called you to be. But here's the thing, and there's even probably people who are watching tonight or going to listen to this call, who God has placed a dream in their life and has given them a defined purpose, a calling to be something amazing in the kingdom of God, a unique calling in the kingdom of God, but there's a spiritual condition that is going to have to be dealt with in order to become what God has called you to be. It's this contentment, it's this being willing to walk in faith. It's the view of money and security and contentment. Pretty well, everyone that God has ever called, that I've talked to and and myself, having to experience this for myself, everyone that's ever called into ministry, and it seems like the bigger the ministry, the, the more they're asked to step out in faith. Every calling seems to come with it a step of faith that requires us to step into that calling in its fullness. And here's the tragedy. The tragedy is, is that many young adults do not do that, and they don't fulfill their calling because they're unable to do what God has called them to do. I'll close with this illustration, then I'm bringing my accountant on the call. But here's the illustration. In 1997, uh, there was a girl, there was a tragedy that happened at the University of Central Oklahoma. Uh, There was a girl named Mitzi Poole. She was a freshman, and she hanged herself in her dorm room. The source of the discouragement was clear. There was no mystery as to why she had killed herself and hung herself in her dorm room. There was a suicide note that was left behind, and, and it, was a, it was not a handwritten note of, of her life's memoirs and everything that had been done wrong to her. Uh, it wasn't some abuse in her past that she just couldn't seem to deal with. Rather, her lifeless body hung over her sunflower-printed bedspread, on which she had laid out on top of it her checkbook three credit card bills that she had maxed out to 2500 bucks. How does a college freshman barely old enough to vote end up with three credit cards of insurmountable debt? Well, if you've gone to university or college, you know they're waiting for you on the first day and they've got water bottles and stress balls and t-shirts and all kinds of stuff to get you to apply for this credit card. Well, she had done that. She had maxed them out. And uh, she was overcome by the debt she had accumulated. She had applied for those cards, and, well, at the end of the day, she felt like she couldn't deal any longer, and she couldn't make it happen, so she took her own life, overwhelmed by debt and feeling like she could never get out of it. Now, and thank God, that's an extreme example, and most people don't go that far. But here's the thing. There are many young adults called into the ministry, who who called to do a work for God, many young adults who abort their ministry and their effectiveness because they needed everything right now, because they wanted everything in this world right now. They needed the nicest car. They need the iPhone, even though their iPhone 5 is working fine. They need everything that goes along with that. They need the newest electronics, and they shackle their ministry in debt. They literally shackle their their availability to God in debt because they want all of these things. And all across North America, there are young adults who want to give evenings to teach Bible studies, and they want to be involved in leading a youth group, and they want to help out in their church. They want to be involved, but they are shackled by having to work two jobs or having to work many hours or saying, Pastor, i just got to get these credit cards paid off working to pay off school loans and credit cards and lines of credit. And in the meantime, what suffers is is the kingdom. It's the kingdom who's at, a, who's at a deficit for those able to work because they have to work to repay this massive amount of debt that they've accumulated in their lives, trying to meet work schedules and, and overwhelmed, not free to do what God's called them to do. Now, there's some that's unavoidable, please, I'm not saying there should be no debt, although my wife will probably say that's the case. But some of that's unavoidable. But do you know the truth? Most of the debt that's accumulated is not good debt. It was the things that we talked about. It was wanting to add electronics and stuff into their life. And in the same time, they've put unnecessary heaviness on the ministry that God wants them to do. They've hurt their effectiveness in the kingdom of God paul said this he said i've learned to be content and his contentment you look at his life his contentment he said I, i've learned how to abound i've learned how to be a baby he, he learned to live with what god was providing in his life his contentment allowed him to do more for the kingdom of god than most of us will ever dream he was content for our young adults that are listening we've got to learn to limit our wants We've got to learn to reevaluate our needs and live in a state of contentment so we can be what God needs our church to be. Now, our God blesses abundantly, please. I don't think he desires that we all be poor. Our God blesses us abundantly. God has been good to me. God's been good to my family. He's blessing people in our church. Our God blesses us and thank, thank him for it. But here's the key. I've got to understand this. This is what he said. He said, those things come if I seek first the kingdom of God. He, he told those that were listening, I'll just give you this scripture and I'll turn it over to my wife. He said, wherewithal shall you be clothed for your heavenly Father? Knoweth what you have need of before you even ask. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. If we seek him and put the will of God first and our calling first, he takes care of us, and He surprises us with the way He blesses us, and I'm thankful for that. So the response to this lesson, I'm going to bring my wife on, is not necessarily a praying through. It's a writing out a plan and figuring out a way to to get out of debt. God bless you. I'm going to turn this over to my wife, my accountant, my financial planner. God bless you.
4: My thing is stopping. Pretty sure we're not going to hear that Sean wants an iPhone six anytime. <laughs> Anyways, okay. My name is Stephanie, and um, like Sean said, I'm actually very much blessed to. I'm in Canada. I'm Canadian, and now I'm doing American tax returns nonstop because of Obama bringing in all kinds of new laws. So I deal with Americans a lot that are actually revoking citizenship because they have to file tax returns for the rest of their lives, and they're not wanting to do that if they're living in Canada. But. Um, In response to what um, Sean was talking about, really what I'm just going to go through is how to get out of debt, which is I'm just going to go through some principles here. And one thing is writing a budget down. And when I say writing a budget down, obviously a lot of people now use Excel to do it. And if you're single, probably a little bit easier because. When you're married, you have to agree, which is difficult. <laughs> at times, most times when you're married, the one person is the spender, one person is the saver, so you have to kind of come into some agreement on what your budget is. I find the easiest way to create a budget is to look at bank statements and see actually cuz you think, "Oh yeah, this is where I spend money, I'm pretty sure," but until you actually look at where your money's being spent, you don't really know exactly where you are spending money. Um, Like Sean was talking about a little bit, I told him, I said, I really feel when I was speaking about money, I have people sometimes come and talk to me, okay, Stephanie, I can't make my ends meet. I'm going to see a financial counselor, and they just don't understand me giving to the church. And I do believe that financially, uh, we have been blessed beyond measure in our family, and my my parents instilled it in me, and I do believe sometimes it is in families that – um, it's instilled or pastors or in churches but giving is so important even like you know you start 10% but then building fund and for missions um, it's important to give even if it's a part of your budget even if you do have debt it's still important to put it as a line item to say you know what yeah I'm going to prioritize because 100% of what I'm able to do is because God's given me ability to do to make any income and that's what I truly believe and I believe if you so you know it says the principle so sparingly you'll reap sparingly and I believe that people that you know don't have anything you know you, you talk to young people and I'm like so are you tithing I can't find a job and I'm like okay so are you giving to the church and I do believe it works and you can you can prove that as a principle number two is Uh, to get out of debt is listing your liabilities. so many times people get overwhelmed i'm just in debt i can't even function and they get in more debt because they they can't even fathom getting out of debt they just have too much they get overwhelmed and a lot of times the best thing to do is just list everything you owe and put it smallest to largest put because when you do that then the smallest debt can get paid off, you can get excited, you can have a party when that small <laughs> debt is paid off and then it gets you excited, I can do it, I can do this because you're able to start seeing oh there is a, you know, a reward, it feels good once you start paying off your debts. Um, another, another thing is earning additional income or reducing expenses obviously by looking at a budget, you know how much money you're spending. So you're going, Oh, why am I spending this much money at in Canada? It's Tim Hortons in the U S is probably Starbucks, but people can kind of, and then Tim Hortons is actually less money than Starbucks. So that's probably a good thing. But, um, you can kind of look at, okay, you know what I need to maybe sell some stuff on Craigslist or on uh, eBay to make additional money that I can then use to pay off debt or reduce expenses and just self control. Um, I think an important thing is being, Sean talked about it a bit, is being content with what you have. Um, Like we were walking through Ottawa Mall last week and the iPhone 6, there's this huge line because everyone, they've reserved this phone. They're waiting in line, a huge line down the mall because they're getting this iPhone 6. And that's just, to me, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm not even going in the store because that's insanity. But That is truly, they've advertised, they've planned, they've marketed. They are getting the people out and they are buying those phones, even though, like Sean had said, they have the other phones and their phone is probably working well, but they just need the newest, greatest. And I think watching TV, magazines can force people to think, I need this, I need this, I need this, and if you you tend to think that way. Um, the next thing is just don't give up. I think the last step for debt is you know what? Sometimes when people are getting out of debt, you know, you're around other people. I'm going out to eat. I'm going out to eat. And you have to kind of say sometimes no. But once you get on a groove to pay off debt, then you can get out of debt, hopefully, and then, you know, have enough money to give more money and to maybe spend money on the iPhone 6, I don't know, <laughs> whatever your, you know, needs are, but I think it's important that there is a goal in mind, and then you can achieve it, and you can get there, but um, but there's freedom, there's freedom in paying off debt, when Sean and I first got married, obviously, I took over, like you said, I'm in his account, but I took over a lot of our bills, because they were not getting paid, because the, I was getting these bills like, "Oh, you didn't pay on time." I'm like, "Really?" So, Sean doesn't do any bills anymore. So, but <laughs> but it's important to just be on top of what you owe and what you what you what you have to spend and just keeping a good budget of that. But I am done. Sean goes a lot longer than me all the time. <laughs> so, I don't know. Awesome. Okay.
0: Awesome. Done. Wow, this is great. Well, uh, this is this is incredible, you guys, and I, I really appreciate y'all uh, putting this together. What a tremendous lesson and uh, some some great stuff. I've been taking notes and I've got red stuff all over my paper. So this is this is great. I really appreciate y'all for doing this. And and we did have a couple questions that came in, and so uh, this time I'm going to turn it over to uh, to Micah, and uh, he's going to go through some of the questions. And just a reminder, if Uh, If you do have a question or a comment, uh, we'll be taking those at our Facebook page, Uh, Ministry uh, Ministry Mentorship. So, um, Michael, we'll turn it over to you for some Q and A.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Good job. Uh, Enjoyed it. We, uh, you actually answered one question already. Someone had answered or asked the question about uh, some practical steps on how to get out of debt, which I think were uh, some amazing steps that you just shared. Another question we have here is. How do I pay tithes or how do I support missions or even support a local church um, when I have enormous debt? So say if you have someone that's in debt, they're trying to do better, uh, so how do they make giving uh, to the local church a priority?
4: Well, I think, again, yeah, because I kind of answered a bit of that, but just that putting it in as a budget, and if you do make a budget, you know where your spending is, so then you have to el- possibly eliminate other places that you are Putting your money and it and like I said, it might mean going out to eat less. But giving is so important, you know. And it not just even important, but the only way I see people put um I, I the analogy putting your money in bags with holes in it. When you're not giving, you're it's not going to go anywhere. You're just trying on your own to make it work.
0: You know, and if I can just interject here, you know, Sean talked a little bit about this. He said it a couple times and really hammered it home, but uh, but he's talking about our attitude. You know, and I think that's uh, when we say, well, I can't give, I think that's an indicator of our attitude. So uh, when we say, you know, I'm going to make a way to do this, I think that's very important. So, uh, Sean, you're welcome to comment on that as well.
2: No, I think what you said is right on, and I think it's a, it's a step of faith. You know, every year at our church, we do uh, what we call faith promise. I know people do it all across our fellowship, but it, it's just that. It is a promise in faith. And when you when you make those commitments, and, and young people and young adults make those commitments, or, or anybody makes those commitments, even though it may not be there, God has a way of providing in, in, in manners that, that we would never see coming. And, and I don't know how many times in our lives— uh every, first of all, everybody who, who gives could have given that money to somebody else. no matter they could have given it not, the biggest giver in our churches. In your church in Belleville, Illinois, uh, the biggest church, the biggest giver there, he could use that money for something else. Uh, everybody who supports it can use it for something else, but they've chosen to give it to the kingdom. but here's what people don't understand. Uh, usually the people that are big givers, they do have big incomes. But people don't always put that together—that the Lord is blessing them, because He can trust them to be faithful with the promises they've made to Him, and He can trust them to uh, to use their resources for the Kingdom of God. It's easy to criticize, and we criticize people, and you know we don't understand everything that's going on. We don't know what God knows all the time, and and all that bringing back to what we said originally. You start somewhere. You start. I, but it's got to be sacrificial. It hurts everybody to give. It's got to be sacrificial. I don't have it, but Lord, I'm making this commitment to you, and no matter what, I'm going to fulfill this commitment. And let me tell you what happens. The Lord gives the resources to make sure you can fulfill that commitment. How? That's God. But He isn't Isn't it about money that he said, prove me now herewith? Isn't that the only place really that I know of? There may be others, but where he says, test it, prove it. Let Show that I'm wrong. Show that this promise isn't true. So I think you just have to start, and you take a step of faith, and God ends up making it happen.
3: Angela, what would you uh, advice would you give to uh, someone that's struggling financially and struggling to, feeling like they're struggling to pay tithes, support missions?
1: Well, the value of something is the price that you're willing to pay for it. And so when you are kingdom minded you are willing to invest everything into the kingdom. And just a Bible story that I thought of was the woman with the two mites and she gave everything that she had but there were all kind of uh, kinds of other people who were giving in their abundance. And Jesus said this woman she gave more than everybody else. And Sometimes the reward of sacrifice is to sacrifice again. And it's a sacrifice is to give something that you don't have. And it's just important to to think about that and that God he like man we always see what is given. But God sees how much is left. And so God knows exactly what you're spending your money on. How many times you go to Taco Bell in a week. Uh, what you bought at H&M, or or whatever you are spending your money on, you have to prioritize your life and your finances and your time. And number one priority in every area of life needs to be God and the church and kingdom-minded, and then everything else will fall into place after that. So I think it's just important to to look at your life and think, what do I value? What am I investing in? And is it going to last for eternity or or is it just going to last just for momentary pleasure?
2: Can, can Angela just take a moment, though, and criticize the iPhone 6 like the rest of us?
1: I want one. Take
4: <laughs> one.
3: <laughs> if you bought the iPhone 6, do not feel that we are attacking you. Use your, use your little new iPhone to until your, to your heart uh, is full. What kind of royalties uh,
2: do we get from uh, Android on this? here tonight.
3: Oh, It's product okay. placement.
2: Samsung phones, brought to you tonight by Samsung. <laughs>
3: uh, one thing that, uh, and those are all great answers, one thing that um, a word that Sean used that really uh, just kinda uh, prompted me was trust. mm-hmm and um, it was Luke 16:11. This is the New Living Translation, so it may sound a little different than King James, or will sound different. But it says, "If you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven?" And so, when we talk about, especially ministry, I think we can disqualify ourselves for ministry by the way that we handle. Our finances. Now, we still may have a position, we still may have a cause to preach, but really the true blessings of heaven, the true riches of heaven, we really are disqualifying ourselves by the way that we handle that. Another scripture that um, uh, Sean had mentioned that no one ever prays that we have less money, Proverbs 30 and 8 says, First, help me to never tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my need. This is the most rarely prayed prayer in the entire book. Because then it goes on to say, for if I grow rich, I may deny the Lord and say, who is the Lord? And if I'm too poor, I may steal and insult your name. So here's somebody saying, you know what, I don't want too much because I will forget God, but I don't want too little that I'll go out and steal and insult your name. Uh, I know no one ever prays that prayer, but maybe we start so, okay, uh, another question. This is a little more practical. Um, when should someone start saving for retirement? On this um, Bible study, we have a, a wide range of ages from young adults to not so young adults. And uh, so, somebody, um, uh, Sean, you or your wife could just maybe mention that. When would be a good time to start? Uh, probably uh, right now. Yeah, everybody.
2: exactly. <laughs>
3: I'll turn that over to my financial
2: planner, who is yeah, also sorry. my accountant. <laughs>
4: i say right now I, I always like I actually people in our church I'm always like so are you doing a retirement I mean if you for for me I think if you can even put 25 bucks away every two weeks just to start it just start and then you can live on less I mean people think oh no I can't but when it's taken out I always tell people do something that is going out of your account automatically you're then it's gone and you can't go oh i'm gonna go put it in like some people go i want to have a lump sum i'm gonna wait it will never usually happen because you won't have that lump sum it will be gone so i'm always i even recently was like okay i'm gonna give you money you have to start a retirement plan and i'm gonna start helping you right now i called the bank i'm like because it's just so important because once you start you realize because if you wait later as we know the time value of money then it will be, you know, you're at a disadvantage if you wait till much later in life. So even starting a little bit, like we said, if people are in severe debt, they're starting a little bit, it just starts them rolling, and then when they can do more, then they can put away more.
3: So uh, several years ago, Oklahoma started the lottery. Would you uh, say that is a good or a bad retirement plan? Lottery? (laughs) Yeah, the the scratch-offs? No. Powerball? No. Okay. (laughs) Uh,
4: (laughs) But all pastors would say, you know what? If you do win it, pay ties. That's what
3: (laughs) they would (laughs) said. Okay, uh, we did have one question uh, that is a little more serious. Uh, Someone was talking about that um, they have traveled because of ministry, evangelized. And because of that, they've incurred some, some debt. And so uh, we'll start with Angela on this one. Angela, what are some, you know? What if you're sincerely trying to live for God, but through the travels of your ministry, maybe through evangelizing or just going to different conferences to make connections, you've incurred uh, some debt. So what are some ways to plan ahead?
1: Well, I don't know how to exactly answer that question, but. For sure, in my own life, when I've needed provision, and not right now, but when I was younger, when I needed some kind of financial provision or money, I would just use my credit card instead of depending on God and instead of waiting on His provision, I would just like instantly and just slide my credit card okay my car is broken down i'll just slide my credit card and it was just an instantaneous thing without even thinking about it and so i had to get to the point where when i was praying like god i want to live by faith i want to walk by faith that me personally like i had to shred my credit card and completely close it down and when i did that god just blew my mind and he really helped me get out of debt through that, through that act of faith and, and just trusting in God that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, as Brother Stickler said. And he also owns everything in this whole world, like everything that you could imagine. Plus, he has storehouses in heaven. And so I just, for my own life, I really just have to put my trust in him and walk by faith.
3: Jacob, you have any thoughts on that? Yeah,
0: um, I started tra- uh, evangelizing when I was uh, when I was 22. I evangelized for a few years by myself, and then my wife and I evangelized for a little while. And I know one of the one of the big factors for us was not having any debt, and that really really gave us a peace of mind, uh, and it helped us. It, it was one less thing to have to worry about. Uh, there's a scripture that says the borrower is servant to the lender, and uh, it's so true that you know you you are. You think about it; it's on your mind, it's on your your heart. You know we need to take care of this, we need to get it paid off. And uh, and evangelizing is is not always, especially when you're starting out. Uh, it's not always uh, you know just man. We're going to preach general conference every week, and we're making millions of dollars. I don't know if they make millions of dollars <laughs> at the preaching conference or not. We could ask Angela, I guess. She's yeah,
2: Angela funny. should know.
0: <laughs> but anyway, um, you you're gonna have to um, basically it's better to, to to start off without any debt. For me, it helped us to, to um, navigate the evangelism evangelizing waters and traveling uh, because we didn't have to worry about stuff. So that's that's what I would say helped us.
3: Any, uh, any uh, answers from the uh, Stickler family?
4: This person saying they are in debt right now. You're saying because they were evangelizing, right?
3: Well, I think yeah, or or they're or they maybe thinking about evangelizing or just beginning, uh, and what are things they could do to plan because you know it is so easy to go into debt when you're traveling so much and maybe you have a week off that you didn't expect or something fell through. Or...
4: Yeah, and I do, and like we said, I do believe when um they're doing if they're doing god's will, you know god does provide i mean he, he if you if you're walking in god's will he will provide and sometimes you know you'll get checks from places or things will just work out that that you don't even you don't even plan for when sean and i moved up here he took a severe pay cut because he's working in uh banking to become in ministry and god is just like blessed us beyond what we could even imagine, but it was a step of faith to go, Oh my gosh, we're gonna make that much less money. But God has beyond blessed our lives and I believe if you're doing the will of God, that He will bless and make and provide for you. It's not hokey pokey, but it's true. <laughs> he provides you know, like without a question.
0: You know, I think I think another thing too, and you said this uh Sean, in your, in your lesson, or maybe it was, no, I guess it was Stephanie You said this, that you talked about earning additional income. Uh, I think that's something that we need to keep in mind, too, is that is that, you know, let's just say someone says, I want to go full-time in ministry, and it's just not working out. Well, you know, it might be a season where you'd have to work. I think Paul even talked about that, how he uh, worked making tents or, or the prayer shawls or whatever it was. And so he recognized that that there are times when we have to say, you know, even though I may be working a job, I'm still working in ministry. Right. So just because we have to take a break, whether that's six months, a year, or whether we're working on the side or something, I don't think that means we don't have any faith or we're not trusting God. But I, I do think uh, it, in the priority sense, you know, are we trying to get out of debt or are we trying to you know provide for what we need so uh, I think we have to keep that in mind as well.
3: Absolutely. All right, we're just going to go around the around the table here just some final thoughts. My, my final thought is, you know, the Lord will always take care of you financially. We did a series a couple months ago called testimonies. One Sunday night we did miracle, miracle salvation and one Sunday night was financial miracles, financial blessings. And people didn't get up and just talk about, well, I put $10 in the offering plate and there was a $100 check when I got home. I mean, things like that happened. But really what struck me was that God has just taken care of them. You know, week after week, month after month, year after year, they were faithful and God has been faithful. And so, you know, they didn't win the lottery, they didn't win a million dollars, but God has just taken care of them. And I think that's a wonderful lesson that we can take uh, from the Word of God and just in practical examples in our life, that God will take care of us. So, uh, Angela, we'll start with you, then Jacob, and then we'll end with the, the sticklers. Just final thoughts.
1: Well, the thing that has stuck out to me the most is just trusting in God for our finances and looking at what we are spending and seeing what we can cut out so we can get debt out of our lives, but in all reality, just trusting that God's going to help us out.
3: Jacob?
0: Uh, and I would and I would say the same thing you know at, at the end of the day the Lord uh, he knows what we need and he can provide for us and uh, I I think uh, for me when I realize and when I think about how uh, the money that I have and the amount of money that I'm going to handle over the next however long I live that's a lot of money Uh Please. hopefully uh, and I think about how, you know, God's given me that to handle it for a certain season. And I want to be a good steward of that. So when I when I think about money and finances, I, I want to uh, be open to where God can work on me and speak to my heart and uh, show me if I'm not uh, you know, doing things right. And, and the biggest thing for me to help me in my finances have been to, to talk to someone, to get like a mentor that that I call, you know, once a month and I say, you know, here's how I'm spending my money. I had I have a friend of mine that I'll send him my, you know, every penny that I spend. I send it to him, he looks it over and he's like, you know, he's from the south, so he's like, "Man, <laughs> you need to quit spending your money on that." So, but it but it helps. It keeps me accountable. So that's that's my thought for for the day. So anyway.
3: All right. Um, Sean, final thoughts?
2: Uh, money and how we handle our money and how we think about our money, it is the, it's one of the truest tests of our faith. And it's a true test of our trust in God. I think, as everybody said, that's been the theme. Uh, you know, there's a couple clichés that are clichés because they're true. You're faithful to God, and He's always going to be faithful to you. Uh, cliche, you can't outgive God. It's a cliche because it's been said so many times. Because it's just true. There's nothing you give to God or into the kingdom of God that He doesn't give back to you in abundance, and uh, and pour back out into your life. Uh, so they're cliche statements, but they're they're true. They're just they're just true statements. Uh, and so somebody listening or or watching may may feel like today they want to start, they want to do better in their tithing or their giving. And I think we just encourage everybody to do that and to start and to start doing better and, and to constantly be trying to, to give more, you know, uh, that I want to give more. And as the Lord provides, I'm going to give more. But I think you could get discouraged because you may feel like here I'm not giving enough. But the story that was brought up about the the widow with the, with the mites, uh, what we find out is that the Lord isn't really looking as much on the amount as he's looking on the level of sacrifice and so you give sacrificially and uh, God's gonna bless you and give you opportunities to give more and uh, I think it's you know we can trust him to take care of and meet our needs.
3: Amen. Stephanie, final thoughts? Speaking
4: for me. <laughs> no I think it was good what Jacob just said in reference to working because You know, when you're God is gonna provide, but you're still gonna be required. Obviously, money's just not flying out of the, you know, ceiling or the roof. You have to work and it's gonna take sometimes hard work. So people that are saying I'm in debt, it may not be an envelope, it may be an opportunity, but along with it is is some work required. But it's awesome, you know what I mean? And people apply principle of giving and they will be, you know, received back, believe
2: it.
0: Amen. well, Micah and uh, Angela, Sean, Stephanie, you guys so much for being a part of this. Uh, what a great what a great session here. I really do appreciate it. This time we're gonna have uh, Angela close us in prayer. And, uh, let's so Angela, take it away.
1: Thank you, Lord Jesus, for who you are. God, I pray that you would help us to be content with what we have and show us, Lord Jesus, what we can do to sacrifice. Lord, that you would put something in our heart right now, something that we are able to give sacrificially, O oh Lord. That you would speak a number, that you would speak a ministry into our life, Lord Jesus, that we can give into. Lord and I pray that we would be a good steward with our time a good steward with our money a good steward with the talents that you have given us Lord that we would invest everything into the kingdom Lord Jesus for your gain and for your glory Lord I pray that you would help us show us Lord all of those people Lord that need our help all of the areas in the church Lord Jesus that that needs our finances and Lord help us to be obedient to your word, Lord, by giving tithes and offerings into everything else. Lord, I pray that you would just give us wisdom every single day, Lord. Wisdom just to to budget, to save for our future, to save for our families, Lord, and help us to value those things. And I pray all of these things in your sweet and wonderful name, oh God. Help us to trust you. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you all so much. And uh Just appreciate uh, Stickler's being with us today. Again, uh, this is Jacob Toppy with Ministry Mentorship. If you need more information, uh, you can go to ministrymentorship.com/backslash/bible-study.